Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. You're listening to the Front Office Exchange Podcast, Episode 2, and today we're talking to Michael Beal, Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Before we jump in with Michael, a little background on how we know each other. I met him in 2001 as a junior at UNC, and he was already well on his way to becoming the rising star within the athletic department that he's become today. Somehow, I did not screw up running the scoreboard for the baseball team and made enough of an impression that he kept me around. He started inviting me to play pickup hoops with him and some of his coworkers, was, which was early experience in networking that I, I now appreciate later. Uh, and he provided me with invaluable advice as I was trying to figure out what direction to choose in sports after I graduated the following year. We've stayed in close contact since, and it was funny hearing him talk during our conversation about mentors and how it's tough to just go find them. You hear that all the time. Go get a mentor. Go get a mentor. These mentors have been so important to me. He explained that really mentors are just relationships that you build over time, and those people eventually become your mentor. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever directly said uh, to Michael that he was a mentor of mine before this podcast, but that's exactly what he is. Predictably, he was great over our more than 50 minutes speaking with each other, and I'm confident that industry veterans and recent grads alike will leave with several solid takeaways. Now, without further ado, here's UNC's Michael Beal. So why don't you first give us a, a little bit about what you do day-to-day, and then we'll work back from there. Okay. So my role here at Carolina as Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing um, is to oversee all of the marketing, promotional, revenue generation aspects for the department um, as it relates to the, the 28 varsity sports we have, um, as it relates to our multimedia agreement, our concessions agreement, our merchandise agreements. Those are the three that I, areas that I really focus on. So it's kind of in leading a staff of three uh, full-time members in, in kind of charting where we want to go as a department um, financially or from a fundraising or gen- revenue generating standpoint um, to how we are positioning and promoting all of our sports um, and then kind of protecting and promoting the brand of Carolina Athletics. Now, how long has it been that capacity? How long have you been in this role? I have been in this role for going on about 10 years now. Um, You know, and it's really changed. Um, And we'll probably talk about this some more later. But it's when I first got here, the marketing and promotions office was probably more of a promotions office. You know, we really focused on what was the giveaway going to be for a softball game? What was the promotion at halftime of a football game going to be Um, and we're really trying to shift now to becoming more of a marketing office where we are really hyper focused on um, revenue generation data analytics getting our arms around who our fans are who our potential fans are um, and making our decisions based on that uh, and really thinking of us as, as a brand and how can we best position the brand of Carolina athletics moving forward. Now, how much of that is you? How much of that is just that's how the industry has changed and grown? Um, uh, is it a mixture of both? Uh, I believe it's it's a mixture of both. It's something that um, 
we at Carolina maybe have taken for granted for a while and have now kind of refocused our efforts uh, and saying, you know, we need to do a better job of telling our story, not necessarily letting other folks tell our story. So being more proactive um, in that approach and certainly um, in this area that we live in um, with the amount of new people that are coming here, you know, and with the other competition that we have in universities around here, how do we go about positioning ourselves to get to those folks in the most efficient and effective manner so that we can make them Carolina fans. Got it. So let's work backwards a little bit. I know you've been there for about 45 years now, it I think. Seems it seems like it, yes. Right. So uh, undergrad Elon, which is just down the street, um, and then just kind of walk us through from there because you, you went the um, sports management graduate degree route and you went to the Cadillac of those schools. So kind of walk me through your decision um, to, to go to Ohio and then how you found the first job out of school. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I went to Elon and, you know, I had always grown up in the, I grew up in Virginia. So an ACC fan, a college sports fan, um, and then had the opportunity to, to be play on the baseball team there for two years. And I shouldn't say play, I was a member of the team for two years. And when that, you know, that career obviously fizzled out, um, I guess I was one of those unique few that I knew what I wanted to do. So started kind of exploring, which was getting the college athletics, the opportunities that were out there, um, and something that we'll talk about throughout this, this podcast today. You know, had some contacts in the collegiate athletics world. Um, the one of them that happened to be an assistant basketball coach at Wake Forest at the time. So he set me up for two summers to come over there and work. And I worked everywhere from the basketball office to marketing to development to facilities to operations and it was a great experience for me to kind of cement what I what I wanted to do and that was work on the marketing external side uh, but learn a little bit about what everyone else uh, in the athletics department does which has served me well and you know it was it was a great experience it was close to here it was an ACC school you know circling back to where I am today one of my mentors there the folks that I worked with was Larry Gallo and now, 20-some-odd years together, we work here to, here at Carolina, um, and he's still one of the, the, the people that I really love to look up to and respect how they do those things. And it's ironic enough that when I was working in the basketball office there, we were they were recruiting Tim Duncan. So I, I lay claim to getting Tim Duncan there because I think I licked about 400 envelopes that went to him. But, yeah, I'd say that's okay. That's fair. So I, you know, I, when I see Coach Odom and some of their old staff, I, I still let them know that that was because of me. But sure, you know, that was really kind of the foundation that, that really solidified what I wanted to do. Um, and then, probably like most seniors, you know, in college, I started sending out resumes and thought I'm going to have to turn down jobs. I mean, it's going to be like pick of the litter for me. And I think I, well, I don't think I know. I got 160 plus rejection letters, you know, and they were all the same, you know, great experience, really young, keep working hard, find internships. We don't have anything right now. And I got one note back from the athletic director at Arkansas at the time who took the time to say, hey, listen, it looks like you have some great credentials. You know, more and more folks are going the grad school route to really sharpen their skills um, and I would recommend going to Ohio University. They're, 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 like, as you mentioned earlier, kind of the Cadillac of grad schools at the time. Yeah, but let's, I mean, let's be honest. To say, that's almost like saying, I think you should go to Harvard, Michael. Right. So, I mean, did you apply to 
several schools? I mean, were you realistic going in? Did you know you needed to hit a certain score on your tests? So I was young and naive and foolish, and I applied for one school and one school only. Okay. Ohio University, because after I got that, everyone I talked to agreed, and, I, and again, I kind of used my limited network at the time and got connected with some folks at Ohio who are, or had been there. And, you know, in Ohio, it was a unique process of getting in at the time. I mean, yes, your test scores were important. You had to have that. But they did an on-campus interview, and it was – I've never been in a more intense interview because it was run by the students. So it was a one-year program, and all the folks that were finishing up, all those students, sat in the room. And, and I had been prepared for this and basically asked you, what does one plus one equal? And when you say confidently two, they look at like look at you, looked at you like you were insane and told you it was three. And really just tried to get you kind of off of your beliefs and really just challenge you. Um, so yeah, I somehow I, I slipped through the cracks and went up there and, and got in. Um, and it was an unbelievable experience um, to this day. You know, it's without a doubt the best decision I've made. Um, both short-term and long-term as I've gotten into this profession. So, you know, went there. It was great. It was one year on campus, and then a one-year internship kind of finished your degree. Um, And I left grad school and didn't have an internship. And I was was really frustrated, but I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to work, uh, which is now known as a Power Five conference that had big-time football uh, and big-time basketball. That was just what I wanted, so I was willing to kind of wait a little bit longer. Um, and then had the opportunity um, through some connections at Ohio University to go work at the University of Kentucky. Now, let's back up a sec. Where was your internship in year two? No, that the second year is off campus. So that was that Got was it. I did my year on campus uh, and worked in some various offices there. But my internship uh, ended up being at the University of Kentucky, uh, and I was Perfect. there for a year um, as an intern, and then they kept me on for another year as a full time staff member. And then and this is going to be a recurring theme during our, our talk today. You know, had some connections here at North Carolina. One of my classmates was here working in the ticket office and said, Michael, right. we're going to have some change here in the next two to three years in the marketing office. Um, but we really believe in hiring people from within. We love kind of the Carolina family. We want to keep We got two jobs open in the ticket office right now you need to come down here and apply for them. Now, luck, fortunate for me, the head of the ticket office at the time was Ohio, was an Ohio grad, so I already had that connection. Sure. So came down here and came down prepared for an interview, you know, coat and tie, ready to roll. Uh, and the first person I met with uh, that, that the ticket manager had me meet with was a realtor to take me around and find out where I was going to live because he's like, yeah, you're going to get the job. You've got the job. You're an Ohio guy. You're going to so – it's minute an entry-level position in tickets. Let's go find you a place to live. So, Entry-level role and you meet with a realtor. Yeah, that was kind of the first the That's thing. a great experience. So I knew that I felt pretty good that I was going to be here. Um, and then really within maybe not even a year and a half, sure enough, those opportunities came open in the, in the marketing office. And it was, a, I think, assistant director of marketing. Um, and, you know, you think, okay, you're working, going to work with – women's soccer and baseball. And I was like, well, I love playing baseball. And I mean, just think about the women's soccer program here. I'll take that. That's awesome. And sure. really, you know, in, in meeting Anson Dorrance and kind of seeing, you know, his thoughts and how he thinks outside the box from a marketing standpoint, um, and then having the opportunity to get in with the baseball program the first year that Mike Fox was here 
was really great opportunities for me that I really just fell into. So, you know. Yeah, I think one important thing, just going back just a little bit, as you said, sure enough, after a year and a half, those opportunities became available. I think a year and a half now, you know, people say people see that and they say, I don't know if I can wait that long. I mean, I see more and more either new graduates or young professionals that want to make a move sooner than that, that aren't as patient. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit about a little bit what you're seeing now? And and even then, in those 18 months, were you starting to get antsy? No, I definitely think now there is kind of more of that instant gratification that, that folks, uh, and again, maybe this is just me being an old soul, expected they're going to come out of school and get an assistant AD job or a director job. And, you know, you try to sit them down and tell them, hey, you might have to go to work for free for a year. And that sometimes really doesn't resonate with them. And a lot of that is, they've, especially in the co- collegiate athletics world, they've got friends in other areas and other professions that are walking into really good paying jobs. And that's just not the way it works here. Um, so yeah, you got to kind of sow your oats a little bit and pay your dues, but it's, it's, it's well worth it. And I think at that time, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do and was I getting antsy in the ticket office? I, you know, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do forever, but it was still a learning experience for me and kind of seeing things from that side, the customer service side, the numbers side, um, it's really helped me as I've kind of taken on the marketing roles, and, and obviously a lot of that in, involves tickets to kind of know their better, understand their world. So, yeah, I mean, I was what I've loved for it to happen within six months, certain, certainly. But you know, I was thinking it was going to be three or four years, and I was okay with that because of where I was and the opportunities that I was going to get. That I, I was, I was comfortable with that. Is the University of Ohio network as advertised? Yes, and even and even and even more so. It is, um, you know, I, I sit here right now and I have several things on my desk that I look at every day, and one of it's the Ohio University directory that we get. I just got my copy last year, and it is, we all call it the Green Bible because it has, you know, everyone that's ever been a part of that program. And I tell folks all every time I talk to them about grad schools. You know, it's changed up there a lot as of most things. Now it's a two-year program. You get your MBA. It still has a very um, military school belief in that you take care of the folks that have come through that program. You know, when I was in school there, I could call anybody in that book, and I would get a phone call or an email back. Now, it might not be that day or two weeks later, but they always called back because it was just kind of that unwritten rule that you take care of the people that are sometimes down some term down the road are going to take care of that next generation. So even now, you know, Clint Gwaltney, one of my coworkers and our classmates at OU, we talk about it. When someone calls or someone emails, we get back to them and we get tons of calls and tons of emails. And I would be lying if I told you I respond to all of them. But if it's somebody from Ohio, they get a call back because it's just, it's that important. If someone took the time to return my calls, to return my emails when they didn't have to, so it's kind of my duty to pass it on that when they call, I'm gonna call them back. So yeah, it, it's it's everything that it's that it's cracked up to be. And as and I believe there are a lot of wonderful programs out there now. There's no doubt about it. But I would challenge any of them to have kind of the alumni relations or the alumni connections uh, that the one at Ohio, the program at Ohio has. So obviously you're biased there, yeah. and you're biased to Carolina. Carolina's uh, sports management program, if I'm not mistaken, is more focused on college athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you compare the two? Are you able to compare the two? And then just in general, now with 
the importance of networking, the rise of social media and how people can make an impression in different ways, you know, weighing that against racking up more debt as a student coming out. Uh, what do you advise people that come to you and say, I'm trying to get into the industry, I can't get a job, should I do exactly what you did and apply for grad school? So a couple parts, and I'll answer the last part of your question right now. And I always have students, I had two uh, rising seniors come in here. We met last week, and I tell people, if I, if, if I were you, if I did it over again, and I could have gotten a job in college athletics right out of college, I would have taken it and then figured out a way to, to, to work my way up the, up the food chain. I don't know if I would have gone the grad school route. Now, again, that's 20-some years ago, so times have changed. Um, but I would have gotten in, and it would have been harder for me, I have to imagine, to, to go back to school. Um, just the farther you get away and you get more into the right. workforce and you're getting a paycheck every two weeks as opposed to paying for school. Um, so my advice would be if you to right now would be if you can get into the into the system in a, a level in a position that you're you're comfortable with and good with, go with you can always go to school. I mean even at here in North Carolina you can take grad classes throughout your time here. You know, so that that opportunity always presents itself. Now that's good advice. Kind of comparing the two, I mean Carolina has a wonderful program. Uh, and I think one of the, the neat aspects of it is if you get into the program um, it's, it's basically free because you work, um, you teach classes, and your second year they provide you with a stipend. So pretty much everyone that comes here um, is on scholarship, to say, for lack of a better word. Um, so that in itself is, is really good. You know, one of the big selling points is you know, working in the athletic department. The only drawback I see sometimes, and I've told folks, is there's only one marketing internship here at Carolina. Um, GA ship. So if there are two folks in the, the GA program that want marketing, probably one of them is not going to get it. Um, and, and then they're going to have to spend the next year doing something that's not necessarily um, maybe their passion. What I really liked about Ohio, I told you earlier, it was the first year on campus, the second year you were doing your internship. They made it quite clear to us the first meeting we had, the first day we were on campus, if you get an internship tomorrow, Take it. We'll figure out school on the back end. I had two classmates in my first year that I lived with that left within the first six months that we were there. They had great opportunities, and they ended up getting their degree. But they were you know, very much experience opportunity-based. You need to get hands-on experience. You need to get work. We can get you the classroom time, you know, online and in various ways. So that was that was a two big difference there. Here, you know, you work your internships at Carolina, which is great. Um, at Ohio, it is, you've kind of got the whole country. Let's go find the best opportunity for you. Right. Uh, who's got the best Halloween? Athens is pretty good. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, always found that, I, I say, oh, I only did it one year, um, and it was really ironic. The folks that lived on campus or were, had been there for a couple of years, most of the people that, that go to OU leave campus that night, and then everybody else from Ohio State and West Virginia and everywhere else comes to Athens for the night. But it is, uh, it is a fun event. That's like uh, growing up Pinehurst. Yeah. Whenever the events come into town, everybody clears out of Southern Pines and Pinehurst, yeah. and you think it could be the opposite. I think all the freshmen in Ohio do it, and then everyone else from all the other schools, everyone else goes other places. 
All right, a couple things just to go back to the earlier career uh, that you talked about. Ticket sales. So that's the obvious you always hear. Uh, and, you know, I, having a background in baseball, you've obviously worked very closely with the baseball team there, and you've probably seen a lot of uh, uh, interns uh, come out of your program and, and maybe look at minor league ball or, or professional baseball otherwise. And the jobs that are available are sports ticket sales jobs. So there's there's two schools of thought. There's one, take the job to get in the door. But then the other is, if you're just taking it to get in the door, then it's going to be even worse for you. So just curious, I, I know it's not apples to apples yeah. to college athletics, but curious what your opinion is on that. Yeah, no, I, I think, and I admit, when you take a job, you've got to have a purpose and you've got to have a plan. Um, and I think taking that entry-level job has got to fit in your in your DNA and kind of what your plot process is. You can't, you shouldn't just take a job, take a job. I mean, that, I think that's the bottom line because that's not going to be beneficial for you um, or your employer. I do, and, and you've, you've, you've experienced this. I tell all the kids that come through here, you want to get a great experience, go work in minor league baseball because I don't care what department they tell you you work in, you're going to work in all of them. You know, you pull tarp, you sell hot dogs, you sell tickets, you run promotions on the field, and you might not be in any of those areas, but you you get that experience. And I think sometimes that's hard for, for younger folks to kind of realize. They think, oh, I'm just going to go work in tickets. You're not. In tickets, you know, everybody touches tickets. So, you know, I think it's it's important to take any job as long as it fits kind of your your plan, your your career. And you asked one of, I think, a question we had talked about earlier you were going to bring up was, you know, the best advice I'd ever been given. And it came from uh, Dr. Higgins, the, the, one of the original professors at Ohio, one of the founders and one of my mentors. He told me, Michael, you've got to have a plan. You've got to believe in it and you've got to stick to it. Even when other people are bouncing around and moving up a little bit quicker or faster than you might, you've got to trust what your plan is. You can always alter your plan, but your plan is not going to work for the person sitting to your left or the person sitting to your right. You've got to be comfortable with that. So I think a long-winded answer is, well, yeah, if you're going to take that entry-level job or that internship in anything specifically, let's say minor league baseball, got to be part of your plan. It's got to be in something that you're comfortable with and you believe in, and you're going to make the best of it. I like that. It's great advice. Part of your plan. And you mentioned mentors again. Uh, how important were they for you? And then I think a lot of uh, graduates coming out hear that term. You know, you need to go network. You need to go have the informational interview. You need to go get a mentor. And it's so easy to say rather than do. So I guess, one, how important were mentors to you in your development? And two, do you have any advice for someone who, say, wants to approach you? Yeah, you know, I guess I'm always even now get intimidated a little bit by like the mentor, like go out and find a mentor. Right. I mean, I don't know if you right. find a mentor. I don't know if I would have told you when I first met Larry Gallo as a junior in college that it was like, this is my mentor, but it's just worked out that over all the years it has kind of become that. Um, so I think what you've got to go out and you've got to develop relationships and you've got to get to know people. You've got to let people know, who you are and not in a get all up in their face. But I think, I think mentorships evolve. They just don't, you don't sign up for one and you become a mentor. I mean, the Ohio has a mentor program and I did it two years ago and it was really awkward at first. Um, but really once we got past the kind of, Hey, I'm your mentor and you're my mentee and other, Hey, let's just be friends and kind of, you know, 
folks that work professional folks that work together, it, it really it, it was really much easier for me. So I, I guess I am I am I mean, would step back from hey you need to go find mentors and say more of you need to go establish relationships and those mentorships will happen again if I gave you four or five people that I consider mentors I would have never thought the first time I met him or her that they were a mentor of mine it just kind of you know and and, and they have mentored me more uh, not Michael you need to do this or Michael you need to do that I have they have served my mentors have served me is just the way they act and the way they behave and the way they handle their business. You know, I've kind of watched and learned as opposed to ask questions and learn. Um, but to how you, you know, I, I, I really, I enjoy that. And again, this is the Ohio you guy and me coming out again is there are a lot of people that took the time to sit down with me and answer my questions and give me advice. Uh, and I wouldn't be here today if they hadn't taken that chance. So, I love to visit with the younger people, kind of the next generation of, and again, for my folks who want to get into collegiate athletics. And I, I'm excited when I see folks come here to kind of know, you know what, this profession is, good, is going to be in good hands moving forward. And I tell them all, hey, listen, I, I, I congratulate you for, you know, having the guts or whatever it is to come and sit down with me and talk about your career. I'm going to help you any way I can. The one thing I ask you to do is that one day when roles are reversed and you're sitting on this side of the table, that you take the time to spend it with younger folks or people who are eager about this profession because that's how this will it will last and it will continue to, to strengthen over, over time. Well, and I can vouch personally for what you're saying. Obviously, you did that for me. And, you know, I learned from you how open you were just obviously you wanted to see me work and you wanted to, for me to make an impression. Uh, but I've taken that now. And, you know, I still take calls from University of North Carolina. I work with alumni associations to talk to them, too. So, I mean, you definitely practice what you preach, which you know, I could speak for all of us that have gone through your various programs. Uh, thank you for that. Um, all right, so let me just be devil's advocate here. So when you get the question, I mean, really, how hard is it to market Carolina sports? <laughs> what do you what do you say? What are your biggest challenges? Obviously, people look at it, they see the light blue, they see the Jordan brand. Obviously, it is hard. Obviously, there are challenges. Um, what are some of those that you face? And then to piggyback on that, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention everything that's gone on with the uh, Athletic Association there at Carolina. Um, how has that made your job more challenging, um, and, and how has it maybe changed your job? Yeah, I would say I don't necessarily know that if there are any challenges from marketing Carolina that are unique to us, but I would also say we're not immune to the challenges that face college athletics as a whole. I mean, it's this is not front-page news that attendance is dwindling in college athletics, and it's dwindling in a bit at a rapid rate. In, in, in established programs that have football and basketball. And again, we're not immune to that. It's not unique to us, but we're not immune to that. It is so easy now to watch a, a football game from the comfort of your own couch with your refrigerator stocked with your favorite, favorite beverage right down the hall, your own clean bathroom. And you know what? If the game gets boring, there's 700 other games you can watch on TV. So, you know, we've got to bring that in-home experience to our to our facilities. It, when the when the Smith Center opened close to 30 years ago, 
there were two or three games a year that were broadcast on TV. So if you wanted to watch Carolina basketball, you had to see it in person. Flip that to now, we stream Late Night with Roy live. So you can see every single game that we play in the Smith Center on some type of digital platform. So the Duke game, yes, people still get fired up and come to the Duke game. But when you're playing a non-conference opponent on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock and it's on TV, that's a challenge we face. You know, we, in football, we have tickets that we need to sell. And we've got to make Keenan Stadium an attractive experience for people to come to. And I think we are making leaps and bounds with Larry Fedora as our head coach and, and the direction the program's going in. You know, men's basketball, there are always some tickets to, to, to purchase, except for maybe the Duke or the state games, and that's a perception that we fight. I think it's out there that, man, you just can't get tickets to Carolina basketball, uh, and you can. And the other challenge we have is for the folks who have tickets, getting them to use them, getting them to come to the games or give them to folks who want to come to the games. It's really hard to sell tickets. It's near impossible to go and run a shuttle and pick up everyone that has tickets. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, again, we're not – we have the same challenges that everyone else has, and we are addressing those just like everyone else is. Uh, but I don't think being Carolina makes us immune to that. Uh, and back to all of to the NCAA situations that we seem to have been going on for umpteen years now. You know, right. I had a very interesting conversation when all this started with Rick Steinbacher in our office, and we were talking about football and what do we do. Um, and through the course of that conversation, it became quite clear to us that as long as we have kids running out of that tunnel on Saturday representing the University of North Carolina on the football field – we're going to do everything we've ever done, if not more, because they have earned and they deserve that. Um, so we really said it is it is what it is, um, and we can't let it change the way we do things from a marketing standpoint. We have still got to work as hard as we ever have um, to get people to come to, to support our student athletes, and that and that started with football. Um, but it's really kind of been our overriding theme for all of our sports. We're going to do everything we can to impact the experience our student-athletes have during their time here at Carolina, from filling the stadiums, from, from giving them the, the great in-game atmosphere. We want our opposing teams to dread coming playing in Chapel Hill because it's an awful atmosphere for them, all in a proactive way, in a positive way. But, you know, right. There is a home court advantage to playing volleyball in Carmichael Arena. If you come to Boschmer Stadium, it's going to be a tough place to play. Um, so, you know, we can't avoid what's happened. Obviously, we get more questions about it than we would like over the course of the years, but it really hasn't it hasn't changed the way from the marketing standpoint that we do business. If, if nothing else, it's really strengthened our resolve to continue to do everything we can. So more and more today, you see uh, someone in your position who's been at multiple universities, someone who not necessarily is job hopping, or maybe that is the case. You know, you've been there your whole career at, at North Carolina. What would you attribute to your success? Is it simply keeping your head down, working hard? You know, were there times where you said, you know, maybe I should, you know, look around. Maybe I should see what else is out there. Um, but, you know, you're unique in that regard. Although within North Carolina, I understand that there are a lot of people who are career Tar Heels. Um, but just walk us through 
um, how the past decade plus has gone for you in terms of um, your career path there. No, I think for, for me, one of the biggest challenges I face, face both personally and professionally, uh, is, is keeping up with the times, becoming, continuing to be relevant, continuing to evolve uh, with the times. I never, and I hope I, I, I do this and I ask my staff all the time, I don't ever want to be one of those quote-unquote senior administrators in terms of age that, and time that I've been here that is just kind of playing out the, playing out the song. You know, right. I don't want to be, I don't want to keep my directors of marketing from getting opportunities. And I don't want them to think, God, if Michael would just leave, we'd be so much better off. You know, and I challenge them to challenge me. Um, I try to hire young, innovative, energetic folks because I think that has a really positive impact on me. And it's just something that I think about every day is is continuing to be a little bit of a forward thinker, a little bit different. And and, and that's a challenge here uh, at a place like the University of North Carolina that is so rich in tradition. And it's really worked here the way we've done it for so long that sometimes trying to do something different has almost seemed like kind of buck authority. And it's certainly not not that, but it's, I've always tried to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on around me um, in this profession, on this campus, uh, and try to stay as quote unquote hip as possible and as, you know, in the loop as possible um, to, to, to keep my credibility where I want it to be and where it needs to be for, for the rest of the department. Well, just, you know, obviously you can leverage your young employees. Mm-hmm. But are there other things that someone at kind of at your stage of your career, whether it's conferences or maybe Ohio networking gatherings, are there anything like that that you that you attend or go to or recommend? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, I love going to NACMA every year. I mean, that's just a great opportunity for everyone in the country to get together um, and, you know, trying to present there and, and really sit in on a lot of the roundtable discussions just to hear what everyone else uh, in the country is doing. I know here we get kind of locked into what Carolina's doing and what the other folks within the conference are doing. But to kind of take a week and see what everyone else is doing and just, again, continue to network and catch up with folks and talk about the, the, the issues and the challenges that are out there. So I think those are great experiences. You know, we do a great job within the conference trying to have little get-togethers or you know, conference calls um, whenever we travel or have a, someone come here, we're always asking their marketing folks to come. Um, we'll put them up for the weekend and, you know, to host them and, and again, use it as kind of a, a career building, relationship building opportunity. Um, there's something that got started two years ago from the folks at UNC Greensboro that we get together all of the marketing folks from the state of North Carolina and college athletics. Uh, and that'll take place here in the end of August. And that's just great, again, to hear what all of our peers within the state are doing, be it a smaller school like Elon or a big school like us, but just to see, you know, we all have the same challenges, but how everyone's attacking them. So, yeah, I think you've got to enjoy that. And I, I like to think that I'm a, a people person. I enjoy being around folks. So any of those social uh, or networking opportunities, I think are great. And again, it keeps you fresh. It keeps you kind of uh, relevant. It keeps you energized. It just kind of keeps you excited about what you're doing. Would you say you're in your dream job right now? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny you asked that, Jake, because someone asked me the other day. Um, I don't know what my dream job is. I think when I first got in this p- p- profession, 
it was to become an athletic director. And I think if those that opportunity presented itself at the right situation, I would do it. Um, you know, I'm certainly at a, at a, in a really good spot. Um, when I look at everything professionally and professionally that I uh, professionally and personally that I have going on now at this place, there certainly aren't many bigger places um, that you could go. So, um, you know, I hope that that dream position for me is still out there. Um, and I'm going to keep striving for it or putting myself in a position for it. Uh, but this certainly is not a bad place to be. Do you see people in your position staying in the college realm? Do you see them looking you know, to go to the pros? You know, almost like you know, athlete goes from college to the pros. Yep. Um, do you see people kind of staying in those silos? And, and then just in general, um, how is the the work environment in general in college athletics? Do you see more and more people flooding there? Do you see them more attracted to maybe Olympic sports or professional sports? You know, I think back in the day, there were really two levels. You were in college athletics, you, you were in pro athletics. And I think there have been so many various spinoffs or things that have upshots, upshot opportunities that have come out of the athletics world being the social media side and the marketing or the consulting side, the management side, the multimedia sales side, you know, there are a lot more opportunities for folks now to bounce around. So you see it more so than it used to be people leaving uh, the, the traditional college athletic setting to go to a, you know, work for a Learfield or work for a new line that's still in that college space, but just in a different medium. Um, I don't, see, I don't in my world see as much people going from college sports to pro sports, um, but I think so. I see, but not say that it doesn't happen, but not not as much. I think in, in the in the level of the people that I cross paths with, they're more staying and kind of in that somewhat of that comfort zone, the college area, but branching out from necessarily a campus um, environment, and going more to the corporate side. Now, you've got a family. I know work-life balance doesn't really exist, uh, but as more of these events are being streamed live and and your uh, attention is being demanded at more events than ever before, what's that like for you? I, I mean, are you, these months here in the summer, are these sacred to you? And, and when people ask you to be on podcasts, it's uh, a huge inconvenience? Or uh, what's it look like for you now? Yeah, no, you know, that, and that's a great question and one I think a lot of folks struggle with. And I would first just say, to me, you've got to establish priorities, uh, and you've got to you've got to live by them. You got to believe in them. And I love what I do, but it doesn't come close to me in the level of importance my family is. So I always, when I assess any situation, I think of it from my family standpoint first, and then the the, the work side of it secondly. Now I'm I'm very blessed that I have a family, a wife and kids who love Carolina, who love sports, they love being around it. So I have more take a daughter to work events than you could imagine, you know, that they love coming to the soccer matches on Tuesday night. And if I go to that, they just come along. So, you know, you find ways um, to incorporate both business and family at the same time. And it's, it's neat here at Carolina that there are a lot of folks that – our spouses and kids have kind of become their own little fraternity or sorority because when we're working football games, they're all sitting together in the stands, you know, trying to figure out why their husbands call this work, getting to come, you know, sit in Keenan Stadium and watch football. But, you know, so it's been it's been a, a really smooth transition for me, uh, and it's something that I preach to my staff that you do work unbelievable hours. 
if you have need to take a half a day to go take care of your personal stuff, you don't have to ask me for permission. You just need to tell me you're going to be out for the day. You know, I, I really believe uh, strongly in the, in the family side of things, and maybe I didn't when I first got started because it just wasn't in that situation. Uh, but as I've had people that I've worked with that have gotten married and then had kids, I've tried to be that, you know, that I told you this would happen and here's what you need to do. But it's you gotta you got to have that balance. You've got to be able to uh, believe in it and have those around you that support it um, because you do you could cr- you could really put yourself in a bad spot both ways uh, if if you don't pay attention to it um, it's out there but it, again it's if you manage your time well and you always have those kind of set priorities it's not as big a challenge as some would make it out to be you mentioned some great advice earlier about putting together a plan what advice would you give someone maybe they're 22 and about to graduate or have just graduated or they're 26 27 and they say you know what I have put off my passion long enough I want to get into sports I know that's a huge loaded question but are there a couple things that you pieces of advice that you tend to give to people yeah I think you you have got to understand the process that you're going to have to put in place or go through to get to maybe your ultimate goal. I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen for that in any profession. But I think you just can't go into it with these unrealistic expectations that you're going to send out resumes and next thing you know, you're going to be an athletic director. You know, you're going to have to kind of work your way up. You're going to have to make the most um, of those opportunities. Uh, and I think you've got to set some kind of – you've got to establish some parameters. At 22 – are you willing to go anywhere in the country for a job, or right. are you? Do you only want to go within these six states? Um, do you only want to work in a college that has, again, as I was, a major football or basketball program? So I think you've got to kind of re- lay out your your haves, your wants, your needs, uh, and then when that really good job that comes open in California, but you said you didn't want to go outside of these four states, you might have to pass on it, you know, and be comfortable with that. Uh, and likewise, when something comes up that meets all your parameters, you've got to be prepared at that moment to go after it full force because this profession, it's amazing when we have even entry-level positions, the quality of applicants that we get. Some, sure. some that I'm almost dumbfounded that why would you leave what you're doing at the salary you're making to come do this? But I think – a little bit here, we have the perfect storm. College athletics is such kind of the vogue thing. It seems like I say it every year, but it's been 10 years now that's been the, the place to be. And then you add in a place like the University of North Carolina, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at times, the people that apply for positions here. So I think you, you've got you've to understand the process that, that, that it's going to take me to do, and then you've got to kind of set some guidelines that you're going to that you're going to be able to – you know, guide your search and guide what you're willing to do. And I think you've got to, you've got to love what you're getting into. And again, you and I are talking about college athletics now, but I think this goes right. to anything. You've got to know this is what you want to do. I don't think I've ever gone to work a day in my life. And I tell everyone, and starting with my wife, if I ever got up one morning and think, I got to go to work today, I would, I would start looking for another job. Yeah. You're in trouble, yeah. sure. You can't, what mis- I'm sorry, go you ahead. You just you can't you're not gonna be it's not gonna be good for your health if you're not enjoying what you do every day. 
No, that makes sense. Any mistakes that you see people making, whether it be they're looking for a job or just in general as executives, your peers in the industry? Yeah, I think this is a little bit different than what my mentality was. Um, I think some folks, sometimes you chase, I want to be an athletic director, and you bounce right. all over the place. And I, that's just not the route I would be comfortable taking. Um, and I, I would just, I would, I would want people to be assured that chasing your dream, don't let it ruin everything getting to your dream. You know, don't become that one stop. You, you're here for six months and you're there for nine months. And, you know, and, and sometimes that happens naturally. But, you know, I, I want folks when I, when I talk to people that, Again, have a plan. Understand it's going to take a while. Uh, and but I would say if I leave for a job, you're going to know why. Not just I don't want to be scratching my head. Why did so and so take that job? That's not really. You know, I tell people all the time when you take a job, you need to think about how's that going to prepare you for your next job. You kind of got to think one step ahead. Just don't take a job because it looks really good. How's that job going to help you get your next job? And it might be your next job in a year. It might be your next job in 20 years. Um, but I, but I see some people get caught kind of chasing the dream and not enjoying the, enjoying the process or going about it the right way, in my opinion. Sure. Now, you obviously are staying busy. You guys have changed the, the uniforms back. I know you're, you're going back to the baby blue, which I love, more of the Argyle. Uh, you're bringing the baseball team down to Charlotte. You're bringing the football team down to Charlotte. You're doing a lot of different things. I know you mentioned earlier about how you encourage your younger employees to keep you fresh, to help keep the marketing department on top of things. You know, what else do you do to stay on top of the industry, you know, along the lines of continuing education, always learning? Uh, is it books you're reading, podcasts you're listening to, websites you're visiting? Uh, if you've got two or three things like that that the listeners can maybe check out on their own, what would you recommend? You know, what kind of the first thing I do every morning, I get up and I walk my dog. I go to the D1 ticker, uh, and it's a great uh, it's, it's it's an email I get every morning, and it kind of gives you a recap of all the big stories in the collegiate space and the sports space in the last 24 hours. So, for me, it's kind of one-stop shopping. I read pretty much every article that's on there, some that are relevant to what I'm doing, some that aren't. Um, I would, I would be, I mean, I would be dishonest if I told you I'm the most re well read person. Um, but I really enjoy that because it, it lets me keep, keeps me fresh and all the different things that are going on in my world. Um, and again, I think it's important to know a little bit about everything so I can have those conversations. Um, so I'm all, I'm a big fan of, of the D one ticker, uh, Kind of what I'm reading right now, our volleyball coach um, gave his staff and their team, they're all reading the book, The Mindset, uh, before the start of the season. So I'm getting ready to, to, to delve into that. Um, and then kind of in our, our business intelligence uh, initiatives that we're going on, um, starting to read The Ultimate Question 2.0, talking about net promoter scores um, and, you know, how, how consumers can be advocates for what you're doing. And if they're not, how you can get them uh, to what you're doing. So, you know, and then to be quite honest, in this world we live in now, Twitter's a wonderful thing. You know, I try to get on there, you know. I see you on there. You're active. Well, but not only active from posting and putting stuff, but just, you know, keeping up with what's going on in the world, what other people are doing. Again, I'm, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago, kind of that one-stop shopping. You, I go there every couple hours a day, and you can kind of get enlightened as to everything, what's going on, as opposed to having to 
kind of search out and see what what's what's relevant and not. Sure. All right. Closing question. What three people, whether they be peers in the industry, sports execs, or athletes, would make up your ideal foursome? You know, I was looking at your questions you sent me earlier. But <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I am. So let's just go based on the the, the time that I, I've lived in, lived in. You know, it, it would have to start with Michael Jordan. I mean, that was just kind of like my childhood icon moving up and then have had growing up and have had the opportunity to meet him a few times, you know, would, would be that. Um, and I'm going to go with the biggies. I'm a, I'm a huge Yankees fan. And I just think that Derek Jeter was like the consummate pro. You know, he, he just did things the right way. You never read about him um, in a negative light. I mean, he was probably the most unassuming superstar that you've ever seen. I mean, and I just feel like if I could be like him, forget the athletics and the look side of it, but just run my, do handle my business. No, that makes he sense. handles his business in the, in the market that he handled it in would be unbelievable. And then again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a huge golf fan. And it, so it had to be Tiger Woods. I just think to, Wow, you're not messing around, Michael. Well, he, I mean, he, this is a you give me the, heavy for it. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm fortunate that the world that I, that I work in, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to meet and, and visit with a lot of folks and, and mingle with people, for lack of a better word. So these are these are three that I haven't had to have some quality time with. So I figure I can make a four-and-a-half-hour round of golf. And plus, they, they probably wouldn't want to play with me, but they like each other, so they'd show up, and I'd have to carry a lot of clubs and that, this, that, and the other. But that would be my way of, of wiggling into to that. But I think each one of those guys is kind of – they're not all about perfect by any means, but have, have, have handled or, or done something that I think that's really the right way to do it. And then that's, that's important to me. And I think, be cool. I think you're also assuming that Nike is listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know where your bread is buttered, they're, right? They're, they're good people. So, yeah. All right. Where can everybody follow you on social media? I know you said you're not that maybe that active posting on Twitter, but it's great that you get, that you get your news there, yep. but anywhere else they could follow you. So Twitter it's at, M A Beale B E A L E one six two three. That's probably where I spend the most of my time posting and looking for things. And I have gotten, uh, as my staff has gotten younger, and we have hired some social media folks. They are, they're trying to train me uh, to get better about posting stuff. So I try to I try to not post random stuff. I try to make it uh, worthwhile. And uh, you kind of think, oh, Michael just posted something. Must be something. Must be something going on, or must be something kind of unique. So I try I try to live in the world of qu- quality versus quantity. Yeah, I'm doing everything I can right now to not ask you about Snapchat and Pokemon. Well, you know what? It's ironic enough that you know we'll we'll talk on that because that was one of the things I was you know Pokemon. We haven't gotten quite caught up in that theme, and when I was meeting with uh, some folks from our uh, downtown partnership last week, some of that initiative that we have coming up. In the first twenty minutes of our meeting, we were talking about the Pokemon, and the, myself and one other gentleman were like in the Stone Ages there, and the, the three younger women who were in there were all wrapped up in the craze. So I came back and talked to our social media director and she kind of chuckled and said, Michael, we're not going there quite yet. Um, so I don't know if there'll be the Pokemon challenge coming from the Carolina side of things, uh, but that's always subject to change. But, you know, I, I am interested, though, uh, when you see the, the Durham Bulls, for example, opening up the ballpark. Have you guys talked about opening Keenan or have you done that? We have. We 
we have not opened it yet. It's a discussion that we have, and it, you know, it, it it goes back to one of your earlier questions about how do you keep up? I mean, this social space, it's impossible. Yeah, It changes hourly. So, you know, and, and it's like, okay, if we did the Pokemon now and I'm speaking, I'm not well versed in it. We're two weeks late. And in the social media space, it's on to the next great thing now. So, you know, but we, we have those conversations and it's again, for a school like the university of North Carolina, uh, it is very much a change in the dynamic of how we have thought, uh, for for the longest time, so we are. I always tell my social media folks, I want to be the first to fail at something. Let's try it. You know, in social media, if you fail, well, ten minutes later, there are going to be seven other people that have failed just like that. So it, it's just trying to. It's fun having those discussions and, and learning about the Pokemon challenge and Snapchat. I heard I learn more about Snapchat from my twelve year old than I do, you know, anyone else. But so that that's when you talked about what keeps you engaged. That this kind of stuff like this that one scares you but also makes you really enjoy what we do. Yeah, I think Bill Simmons said it actually. Anybody over the age of 30 that says they understand Snapchat is lying. They're just lying to you. Yeah, and, and, you, and you've got, yeah, you're right. And when we do stuff, social media here, we have our students do it because that's their. I know. And yeah. I think just as you just mentioned, for me to sit there and say I could do Snapchat or uh, anything else better than I'd be – I would be doing our department a disservice. So you got to find kids that you trust because they're in that world and they know how to get it where it's, and the numbers are out, you know, if it's phenomenal, the feedback you get. Well, I appreciate you going on that little tangent for me and thank you for taking the time today, Michael. I really appreciate it. Again, speaking personally, you were great in my development and I've heard stories from other uh, recent graduates as well. So um, we really appreciate that and continued success there, Carolina. Glad to do it, Jake. Appreciate the opportunity. It's always good catching up on everything from Pokemon to playing golf with Michael Jordan. <laughs> you got it. All, All right, right. Take care. See you now. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 